Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. This is a message from our series on the book of 1 Peter where we're challenged to live different. You can connect with us further at gatewaybaptist.com.au. Before we jump into 1 Peter, I want to ask you what you got up to last night. Who watched the Matildas game? Just stick your hands up if some of you, if you saw even part of the game. Just stick your hand up if you saw part of the game last night. Okay, all right. Not as many as the 8 a.m. service, which is interesting, but... Man, my, my heart stopped multiple times last night. It's so unfair to settle a game like that in, extra, in, uh, in penalty shootouts, but I'm glad that we ended up on the right side of it. And uh, what a week it's going to be following the Matildas on, uh, on Wednesday night. It's pretty exciting for Australian sport. Well, hey, uh, today we are going to jump back into First Peter. We've uh, been doing this series and we've, uh, we have probably had a few... Um, other things over the last few weeks, and so today we're jumping straight back in to, uh, to 1 Peter, and I want to actually kind of go through part of it line by line, a little bit of an almost old-fashioned study of the, uh, the Bible today. So I want to encourage you to open up uh, your Bibles if you've brought them, or your, your Bible app on your digital device, and uh, join with us in 1 Peter chapter 3. And we've got to remember as well that, that Peter is writing this letter. Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, is writing this letter to churches across Asia, encouraging them to persevere in the face of adversity and persecution and suffering. And as a whole, the, the letter of 1 Peter is, uh, is a fantastic letter of encouragement and instruction on how to live as a Christ-following, gospel-centered person. So we're going to uh, jump into 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 9 this morning. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with un- insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So this morning, we're going to explore four statements that Peter makes in this passage. But before we do that, I want to introduce you to the concept of the red dot. You ready for that? Here is a red dot on the screen. It, uh, It resembles one person. You know, it resembles all of the complexities, all of the personality, all of the, the, the very uh, being of who we are summarized into a single red dot. And then this dot here, this is you. Now, if you are here this morning, if you're watching online this morning, and you're a follower of Jesus, this is you, a red dot. You're red because you're passionate for Jesus. You've surrendered to him. You're living life for him. There may be times when perhaps you're a lighter shade of red. Perhaps you're not living as passionately for Jesus or you're, you're cutting some corners. 
Or maybe you're an on fire red dot. You can't get any redder. You're burning with passion and it feels like you and Jesus are walking so closely. But that's you, a red dot. And right now, there's a bunch of red dots meeting together. There you go, they're all huddled here in the corner. We're all huddled together here in this room, joining online, but we are together as God's family today. It's important that these red dots come together. When they come together, they actually get redder together. They encourage one another to be a red dot. They tell stories and build faith about being a red dot. But in this picture, there's also a bunch of black dots. That's everyone who's not gathered in the church today. These black dots are not really, or might not be, or they're not following Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're actually a black dot. It's so great to have you here. You're just checking things out. You're not following Jesus yet. That's cool. That's okay. That's great. But some of the people who are black dots, they look down on those red dots. They laugh at the red dots wasting their Sunday mornings. They mock the red dots for what they do at church and during the week. Some of them actually actively hate the red dots. But the black dots and the red dots are fairly reflective of our society. The national, recent research from the National Church Life Survey indicates that only 7% of Australians attend church very regularly. Only 7% attend very regularly. There's seven dots. Now, there's a whole bunch of other people in our country, in our nation, who would profess a Christian faith, but uh, for whatever reason, they're not attending church very regularly. So maybe they're, you know, it's a simplistic diagram. Maybe we need to have a few different shades of colors in here, but can you stay with me for a minute? So there's seven red dots, people passionately following Jesus, coming together in community regularly, and 93 black dots. Have a look at the guy in the top of the left-hand corner, right up the top. He is as far away from the red dots as you can get. He is as far away as he can be. He's a long way from Jesus. And this is what's happening today. Right across our city, our nation, people, Christians are gathered together in church. But have a look what happens tomorrow. Tomorrow, we are scattered. The red dots, uh, don't, they're not all gathered in the corner anymore. They're now spread out. We, uh, we're back uh, living in our neighborhood or, or turning up to our workplace where we're playing our sport. And have a look where the guy in the top left-hand corner is right now. Look how close he is to someone who is a red dot. He's in the next cubicle at work. He's the neighbor in your street. He's the, uh, your, your, the guy on your sporting team. But the red dots are still red dots. They're still unique. They're still distinct. They noticeably live their lives differently to the black dots around them. And maybe, just maybe, over time, these, the way that these red dots interact with the black dots and through the power of the Holy Spirit, some of those black dots begin to look a little less black and a little more red. As the red dots keep living differently, as they keep shining Christ's light, they have a positive impact on the sea of black dots around them. Now, I don't believe that when Peter wrote his uh, message, he wrote his letter to the churches, that he drew a little diagram with a whole bunch of dots in it. But you can really clearly see that this is kind of a theme of Peter's letter to the church. 
amidst a culture that looked down on Christians, amidst the suffering and persecution that they faced, Peter encourages his readers to live different as they follow Jesus, to be a bright red dot in a sea of black. And so today as we explore chapter three of this letter, we're gonna look at four simple statements that Peter makes. And I'm gonna look at these four statements and see how Peter challenges us and encourages us to live different. So we're gonna to begin today in verse nine. Peter says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. And then he goes on to quote Psalm 34, which speaks to God wanting to see his people do good. But uh, Peter says, don't return insult for insult, but instead repay evil with blessing. Remember, he's speaking to Christians who have had all sorts of taunts, disparaging comments, verbal abuse hurled at them. And he says, be a blessing. And that word that we have uh, here, blessing, in English is translated from the Greek word eulogia. And uh, eulogia, it's the same word that we get eulogy from, the, the good words that someone speaks uh, about someone at a funeral. But the, the word eulogia comes from two Greek words, euo, meaning good, and logos, meaning word. So Peter is literally saying, repay evil with good words or bless others with your words. That is, when even somebody might speak a bad word against you, choose to speak a good word over them. In Peter's day, it was believed that these words had significant power. When someone spoke a word over you, it wasn't just a word about you. It was about something that the speaker believed would actually eventuate. It would come to pass. And in that culture, words of scorn, of judgment, of persecution were not only used to tear people down, but to also speak future pain, future evil onto them. In the Roman culture, Roman families and people would retaliate against one another using words. They would vie for social standing based on what they said about other people and other families. So the typical response when someone slandered you or insulted you or spoke evil over you was to respond in kind. But Peter says, live different, stand out. Be different. Don't let that be the case with you. When words of evil get spoken over you or about you, repay that evil with blessing. Bless others with the words that you choose to respond with. Speak goodness and hope and truth into people's lives instead. And Peter knows that this is close to God's heart because it mirrors Jesus' teaching. Last term, we spent some time looking at the Beatitudes, some of the most uh, significant sayings that Jesus said on the uh, Sermon at the Mount. And one of those things that Jesus said is, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Speak words of blessing over those who might want to tear you down. Bless others with your words. And Jesus himself showed us how to do that on the cross after being falsely accused, wrongly trialed, then beaten up and left to hang on the cross, Jesus cries out words of blessing when he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. In our culture today, we, like first century Rome 
and the empire, we actually live in a similar age of verbal escalation. You only have to listen to talkback radio, read the comment section of almost any online news article, or, uh, or see how the trolls escalate arguments on social media to watch how evil words produce more evil words. Peter's challenge was countercultural then, and it's countercultural now. He says, speak blessing over others with your words. Refuse to play the insult game. Don't repay evil with evil. Instead, choose to bless others with your words. Imitate Jesus and respond how he would respond. For when we do that, when we speak blessing over others, God promises to pour his blessings out on you. See, when you bless others with your words, God speaks an even better word to you. So if we want to live as red dots in our world, Peter says, we are to bless others with our words. When that insult comes at work, we thoughtfully respond with an encouragement. Maybe in the moment, not the right time, but we respond eventually with an encouragement. When there's a disparaging comment around the dinner table, respond with positivity. Choose to speak hope, hope, life, and truth into whatever situation you face. Bless others with your words. Peter continues this theme in verse 13 and 14, and we're going to look at the second statement that he says. He writes, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats and do not be frightened. See, Peter's asking here, what's the worst that can happen if you choose to do good? Who's going to harm you if you do good? And even if that does happen, even if others do inflict pain on you for doing good, God is going to choose to bless you for it. Even if you suffer for doing good, God sees it. God honors it. He'll bless you for it. So don't be afraid. Don't be frightened. Be eager to do good. Here, Peter uses this uh, Greek word, zelotai, which is translated as eager. It's the word that we get zealous from. Peter says, be zealous to do good. Be passionate about doing good. Literally, be boiling over with passion and enthusiasm to do good. Paul uses the same word in writing to Titus, where he says that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager, zealous to do what is good. See, fallen humanity's default is not to do good. Maybe every now and then we'll do something good, but eventually the sinful nature comes out. And in that broken sinful nature, our default operating system is to draw back into the shadows, to dwell in sin, to reject doing good or at least turn our eyes away from it. But Peter says, be eager, be passionate, be zealous to do good. I want to ask you this morning, what are you already zealous or passionate for? Our family loves live sport. The kids love playing it and we love watching it. And uh, over the last few weeks, uh, and many of you might have as well, as a family, we've all gotten into the Women's World Cup. And my daughter, Zaylee, particularly, has loved following the World Cup. She loves playing soccer and herself dreams one day of playing for the Matildas. Good luck. But uh, she's been to a number 
of World Cup games, and she's watched every single Matilda's game over the last few weeks. Even last week on Monday, when Australia, uh, Australia played Denmark at home, Zaley and I had actually been to the, the, the round of 16 game at Suncorp. We watched uh, England on that occasion score the winning penalty kick, and we ran out of the stadium to try and get home quickly enough to see the start of the Matildas game. Unfortunately, though, it was, it was, we, we didn't. The game started on our way home, and my, what, my phone had run out of battery, so we couldn't watch it live, but I can call people on my watch. And so I've got these little uh, headphones in, one for me, one for Zaley, and I'm, we're calling Lauren at home, who Zaley forced to commentate the soccer for us. And uh, Zayla, Lauren's gotten a little bit passionate as well. She's really gotten into the Matildas, and she's actually naming all the players, you know, Gorry, passing to such and such, and whatever, whatever. And so we're driving on the bus on the way home, tuning in to the soccer, thanks to Lauren's commentary. <laughs> Zayla is so passionate. And this week, in the lead-up to the quarterfinal, we'd arranged to get a couple of tickets for Laurie and for, for Zayla to go. Saxon and I had already made a commitment to the Brisbane Lions. But um, we... Uh, <laughs> We got her ready to go, but she started feeling crook. On Wednesday, she woke up with a, with a, a whole bunch of, of different symptoms, and we said, hey, you can't go to school today. Her first response was, well, can I still go on Saturday to the Matildas? And then over the next couple of days, she was still home from school, and even though she was slowly getting better, she, uh, she wasn't enough well enough to go to school, but every single morning, she'd wake up, and we'd ask, how are you feeling, Zaley? She's like, oh, I'm a bit better, but can I still go to the Matildas on Saturday? Fortunately, she, uh, she got well enough to be able to go last night and had an absolute ball. She uh, had the moment time of her life, but she has a zealous passion for the Matildas. What if we were just as passionate, just as zealous to do God's good work in the world? What if we woke up every morning and our number one goal was to bring glory to God by doing good in our world? God himself is a zealot and passionate God who wants to see peace and justice and his love permeate throughout the globe. What if we were his agents of change and we shared that same passion and zeal for doing good? What if we said no to the laziness that tempts us away from good actions? What if we actively looked for opportunities to bless others? What if we went, if we consciously went out of our way to positively impact the lives of people that God has placed in front of us? What would it look like to have an eagerness, a zeal, a passion to do good in this world? Next Sunday, we uh, get to celebrate Thanksgiving Day. It's gonna be a fantastic day, a great service. We've got some baptisms planned. Maybe, you're, uh, maybe you can get baptized next Sunday. We're gonna give you an opportunity to respond at the end of the service in that way if God's so putting that on your heart. But we'll have an opportunity to do good for our community, to fill up a, a bunch of red bags with grocery packs. We're gonna be able to feed people in need in our community over the next 12 months. And as a church, we have a, a huge audacious goal to provide 10,000 meals over the next 12 months. But we don't just want to provide people with a handout. The heart is to connect with each recipient of one of these red bags, to build a relationship with each person, with each family, to walk alongside them as they journey through life's challenges, giving them help, but also providing hope and pointing them to a saviour. 
Let's be zealous. Let's be eager. Let's be passionate to do good as a church, to bless our world, to reset our default operating system and look for every opportunity to bring God's kingdom to earth. The reality is, though, we can't do that all on our own strength. We can't rewrite our internal default just with our own will. We might be able to do that for a little while. We might be able to do some good things, but our sinful nature keeps rising to the top. And Peter knows this, for in his very next sentence, he tells us how we can actually do that. He says, the key to blessing others with your words, the key to being eager to do good is this. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Revere Christ as Lord. This simple statement is quite possibly the most inflammatory and controversial thing that Peter could have written in his day and age. But it's also the most powerful. See, for someone to be your Lord, it means that they are your master. They're the one who controls you, who owns you, who possesses you, who has all power over you. And it was a common refrain in the Roman Empire for people who lived there to declare that Caesar was Lord. Caesar was the one that you had to bow down to. He was the one that all had to worship. He was the one who ruled over all things and all people. In order to live as a normal citizen in this Roman Empire, one had to confess Kaiser Kyrios. Caesar is Lord. And without this confession, a person was an outcast to society, was subject to punishment. And in the face of that, Peter is saying to Christians, you are to revere Christ as Lord. You can't have two lords. You can't have two masters. This is an incredibly provocative, countercultural, and revolutionary statement. Revere Christ as Lord. But Peter knows the power of this statement. When we revere Christ as Lord in our hearts, when we in the very deepest center of who we are give him control of our lives, when we permit him to be Lord, his power transforms us. When we declare Christ as Lord, when we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, the Holy Spirit does a sanctifying work within us. The Holy Spirit changes us, shapes us, empowers and emboldens us to speak blessing into people's lives, to be eager to do good works in our world. Jesus promises us that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. When we put our trust in Christ as Lord, he changes us. And as our lives are transformed, we become distinctive. We live different. We become unique in comparison to our cultural backdrop. That's why we change from being a black dot to a red dot. And as we grow deeper with Jesus, we're transformed more and more into his likeness. We become redder and redder and more and more distinctive. Can you see Peter's thoughts here? When we allow Jesus to change us from the inside, we start to live different. Not on our own strength, but through the work of the Spirit. We speak blessing over people with our words. We become eager to do good with others. We become more distinctive in comparison to those around us. And people begin to notice. 
This is Peter's argument. When we revere Christ as Lord, when we live different, people get curious. People ask questions. People want to know why. And you can see where Peter's thoughts are headed. And he continues, and he says, people are going to ask questions. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give the reason for your hope. Peter's argument is that when we follow Jesus, we will live different. And people will notice. They'll want to ask why. And so we should be prepared to share a good answer. When I think of being prepared, I think of those preppers. Have you seen that show, Doomsday Preppers? People that kind of get ready and prepare for all sorts of cosmic calamity. In March 2020, we suddenly overnight all seemed to become preppers. It seemed like every country in the ha- every household, sorry, in the country hoarded toilet paper. I didn't quite understand it, but apparently when the world is headed into a global pandemic, when there is a whole lot of economic and political and physical uncertainty, the first thing we think about is toilet paper. Have I got enough? There were riots in stores. There were security guards manning the aisles in Coles and Woolies to make sure that each person only took one packet. We all began to be a little bit like a prepper. But I have a mate who actually took it a few steps further. He's a, a bit of a prepper at the best of times, and he was very proud to share with us in the journey into, uh, into the COVID that he had enough resources to completely live off-grid for a significantly long time. He'd installed solar panels on his roof and a battery in his house to be completely off-grid so that he could be solely sufficient with electricity. He had a little creek running through his property and he had a plan to purify the water just in case it got contaminated for whatever reason. And he'd grown a fairly significant veggie patch. This isn't something that happens overnight. This is something that he put a lot of thought and preparation into. And then he uh, talked that, uh, about the, the pantry that had actually overtaken not just something in the kitchen but a whole room of his house where he had uh, stored things and it sounded like it looked like the care center, full of tins of food, packets of noodles, soup, all sorts of stuff. He'd even begun talking about what it might look like to build a bunker-style chamber in his, in his property. And at the height of, uh, of the uncertainty of COVID, as we're heading in to national lockdown, we were chatting and exchanging messages, and he said, uh, I said, oh, are you afraid or something? Are you afraid what's going to happen? He says, no, I'm not afraid. I'm just very prepared. He was ready for anything to come his way. And as I said, it wasn't just an overnight thing that he decided to do. This was a journey that he'd been on for a while, and he's still on. He's trying to figure out more and more ways to become independent from everything else in the world. Always be prepared. Now, that's a really extreme example, and I don't suggest we'll need to kind of go down that path. But my mate's prepared for anything to come his way. Unfortunately, none of that was really needed. But he was ready for anything. That's what Peter's saying. Be ready. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have because opportunities will come. If you're living with Christ as Lord, if you're open to the Spirit's leading, there will be opportunities to share about the hope that you have in Jesus. 
And so rather than planting a veggie patch, installing solar panels or hoarding tins of food, I want to give us today three really simple ways that you can get prepared to answer others' questions. Firstly, cultivate a relationship with Christ. Get to know him better. When you spend time with Jesus every day, when you're learning from his word every day, you'll always have a testimony of what he's saying, of what he's teaching you, of how he's growing you. The book of Lamentations tells us that the Lord's mercies never come to an end and are new every morning. There's always something that Jesus wants to be showing us, wants to be teaching us. So spend time with him each day. Whether that's studying the Bible, reflecting on a devotional, worshiping him on your commute, or going for a prayer walk, cultivate that relationship with Christ. When your life has been transformed by Jesus, you can be confident in sharing what he's done. You'll burn a deeper red. You'll be prepared to share what he's doing in your life. Secondly, listen to the Holy Spirit and pray continuously. When you have an interaction with someone, a conversation with someone, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, to listen to his promptings. The other night, my son's footy team had their last game of the season, and so a bunch of us in the team headed out to Macca's at the end of the game. And I got chatting to one of the dads, and he asked that inevitable question, what do you do for a living? And I'm not sure if you're here a few weeks ago when we had Gare Jones and how he managed to clear out a bar when he uh, responded to that question, but I, uh, my heart rate started to raise a little bit. I, uh, I asked God very quickly, Lord, help. Took a deep breath, and I said, well, I work as a pastor at one of the churches down the road. And he stayed around. He kept the conversation going. Miracle. But we ended up having quite a, a fascinating conversation about church. Turns out that he actually rides his bike regularly with someone from this congregation. He was amazed that it's such a small world. And he said, look, my wife and I, we're not religious people, but I really respect what churches do and, and, and the community that you create. It's fascinating when you just ask God for those opportunities, what words he gives you. Sometimes you might even be blown away that mid-conversation you'll recall some Bible verses you didn't even know that you remembered. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. And you'll look back and say, where on earth did that wisdom come from? See, the Holy Spirit helps us have those conversations when we are open to his leading, when we pray continuously. Thirdly, I want to encourage you to know your story and know the gospel story. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. It's your hope. It's your story. People can't deny your story. So I want to encourage you, know your one-minute testimony. It's really simple. What was your life like before you met Jesus? How did you encounter Jesus? And how has Jesus changed your life since? Prepare what you'd say if you were asked that question. Even practice it. A couple of years ago, I actually took out my phone and just really simply filmed my story about how Jesus had changed my life. It's saved as a favorite on my phone, and every now and then I'll go back and just re-watch how I'd communicated it, to be ready to share my story. I also want to encourage you to know the gospel story. Many, many years ago, in my early 20s, I remember somebody asking me, what is the gospel anyway? And I reckon I completely botched the answer. I reckon I left them more confused after having a conversation with me than beforehand. 
And so I decided to figure out some really clear ways to share the gospel. And there's a whole bunch of different tools that you can use. You can talk about the bridge. There's little wristbands you can get that have different colors. But I just want to share a really simple uh, tool today called the Romans Road or the Roman Road. It's just five simple verses through the book of Romans that really clearly articulate the gospel. I actually have it marked out in my Bible. I've got the first one in uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And then in the margin, I've just said, hey, here's where the next one is. So I don't even have to remember. I just have to know that the first one is in Romans 3, 23. And it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's a human condition. We've all fallen short of God's perfection. And then you can uh, jump over then to Romans chapter 6, verses 23. And it's for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all deserve to be punished for the sin that we carry. But God has given us an incredible gift in Jesus. He's given us eternal life. In Romans 5 verse 8 it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still living in rebellion to God because of his great love for us, Jesus died for our sins. Which leads then into Romans chapter 10, verse 9, which says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the good news right there. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Eternal life is yours. And then finally, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. That's the gift of life in Christ. Maybe you want to take a photo of that right now, just to get all those five verses. Maybe you want to mark your Bible up down the track. Again, you don't have to use this particular way of sharing the gospel. There are plenty of tools and ways and methods out there. We have a course that's run here fairly frequently called Sent. Eleanor, our missions pastor, runs it, and it's a great uh, opportunity just to explore more about how we can be sent to know, to, to share the love and message of Christ in our community. I encourage you to check out our website on the Gateway Beyond page to find out a little bit more about that. But always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have by cultivating a relationship with Christ, listening to the Holy Spirit and praying continuously in knowing both your story and the gospel story. And then, when the opportunity presents itself, take that step of courage. Today, uh, I wanted to get somebody to come and share some practical stories. What, how's their experience been of following the little promptings of the Spirit, and jumping out in faith and sharing. So would you welcome Michael Peterson this morning as he comes to share. How are you, mate? Good to see you. You got your uh, FIFA World Cup shirt on last night. Up the Matildas, yeah. It's amazing you've got a voice left. Barely. Very good. (laughs) So, mate, tell us, how has has God used you to to, to reach out and to share the, the hope that you have? You're awesome. Thanks. 
Um, I, uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I've been a Christian about 10 or 12 years, so uh, I had a bit of backfill, a bit of learning to do. So I did a course with Eleanor, uh, that sent course. I did the Alpha course um, and a Bible study with Tim and just trying to get on the daily devotions and uh, just, just learning. Uh, it's a big learning journey for me. So I thought that would help with my courage and with my content, I suppose. So then... Um, yeah, then you just got to watch what you pray for, because then I prayed for opportunities to share my faith with my family and those that I come across in my daily life, and unfortunately that happens. So uh, <laughs> then you have to do something about it. So there's also that um, sort of three seconds uh, rule that you might come across where there's a, you respond or react to what you do within that three seconds, and I used to find that there would be an opportunity, and God sort of whispers to me a fair bit. Sometimes he yells, but some, mostly it's whispering uh, about what I should do and when I should take action, and Sometimes I just, you know, rather I just tie my shoe instead or um, just go in a different direction and do something else. But of late, since even since Move Conference, even more so of late, just decided to, to take action when he's, when he's whispering to me. So, yeah, I've been able to take action recently. I've just been in Alice Springs for sort of four days with a, an industry group. And, um, yeah, two days into that, it was a pretty emotional encounter down there. Uh, it's a pretty great place. And then two days into that, we were also getting to know each other with my peers and, and then just naturally ask questions about me and my family and what I do and why my business, business is different to other people's. And um, I'd be lying if I didn't tell them about you and tell them about my faith. So that, that just comes up and I take action in that. And that led to some great conversations afterwards. There was a, a lady with a um, Jewish background but not practicing and able to talk to her. And then a lady with a Catholic background not practicing and able to talk to her. And then even people at the dinner table um, I uh, talked about when my boy was born, that was one of the instigators for us sort of coming to faith, and I knew she had an 18-month-old, so I thought, oh, this would be really good, I'll be able to relate and connect. That didn't go so well, she turned around and talked about something else, <laughs> but that's all right. Um, even just the alpha course, like I took some of the QR codes and I, uh, the, the, the business card things, and I put them on my house, and then an opportunity came up with my family, and I was like, dang it, there's the person I want to talk to, and there's the card, I've really run out of excuses, so... Just take action, grab that, and talk to them about that, and that didn't go well, but uh, it got done. It went well, and then when I followed it up, it didn't, nothing happened from it yet, but I just tend to think that it's sort of just me being, um, if, if God can trust me in these little moments, he'll trust me in sort of bigger moments, although that's a pretty big moment to be able to talk to someone about your faith, he'll trust me in other things. So, yeah, there's just a discipline for me, and hopefully it's just, you know, nudging people along a certain direction, and, um, and God continues to whisper to them or talk to them, and... I'm just doing my part because my part's different. I mean, your story and my story are very different with you know, long-term multi-generational faith and me, first-generation faith. So between the two of us, we can uh, get the job done and talk to different people. So yeah, it's a bit of fun. That's Thanks. awesome, mate. Thanks. Really cool. Hey, why don't we give Michael a round of applause? I just love the journey of seeing people grow in their faith and take the opportunities when they're in front of them. Michael mentioned that three second, you know, that overcoming, stepping through the chicken line and taking that boldness into that conversation. When we revere Christ as Lord, he equips us to repay evil with blessing. He makes us eager to do good and we will live different. Like those red dots, we will stand out in a bright sea, a bright red in a sea of black. And Michael even mentioned it, you know, people ask questions. Why do you run your business like that? People will ask questions. As we walk with Jesus, 
He gives us a confidence to live different and a living confidence to share the reason for the hope that we have in Him. Today, I want to challenge you with a, just a couple of really simple things. Reach out to the people that you live, work, and laugh with. Take a bold step. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Draw you closer to someone. As Michael said, pray for those opportunities. And when they come, jump in. Grab one of these invite cards on your way out today. This is an invite card to our Thanksgiving Day next Sunday. Just stick it in your back pocket this week. Just pray, who can I invite to be part of Thanksgiving Day on Sunday? You know, we, we as a church, we're bringing together red bags of groceries, and that's fantastic. But as you invite someone, say, hey, just don't feel you have to do that. Just come along. We'd love to be a blessing to you. Who can you invite to be part of Thanksgiving Day on Sunday? And then Peter goes on a little bit later in chapter 3, and he talks about baptism. He mentions that baptism is a pledge of clear conscience toward God. And a baptism is a public declaration of an inward decision. Telling your story to the world. Sharing the reason for the hope that you have. Following the commands of Jesus to pass through those waters of baptism as a declaration of your faith in Him. Next week, as part of Thanksgiving Day, we are going to celebrate in some baptisms. We've got a bunch lined up already, but... We believe in there's going to be more. The pool's going to be filled. The heater is going to be on. It's going to be a great Sunday to stand and declare your story of putting your trust in Jesus. I want to invite us all to stand this morning, if you're able. Let's jump to our feet, and uh, I want to invite the prayer team to come down the front. We're going to finish in a moment by singing another song of worship. I'd love us to pray this morning for a group of people. You know, if you have a desire to see opportunities to share your faith with those that you live with, we would love to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're, uh, you've been walking around and uh, you've had those opportunities and you haven't quite stepped over that chicken line. You're, uh, you haven't quite had the boldness to share the reason for the hope that you have. This morning, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to pray that God would give you that boldness. Even this week, God would give you those opportunities to take a step of faith and to share the reason for the hope that you have. So as we sing, I want to invite you down the front, if you would just like an injection of Holy Spirit boldness to share the reason for the hope that you have. The team would love to pray for you this morning. But why don't we all sing right now and worship again our good an amazing God. We have a great God, don't we? Why don't we sing this song that just declares God's goodness and uh, worship Him. And if you'd like prayer this morning, come down the front. I forgot to mention, if you want to get baptized next week, come down the front. Tim and Ellen would love to connect with you, give you a towel and help you to take that step next week. So why don't you come as we sing? Oh, baby. 
such a good God. We worship you. We thank you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to bring about your goodness into the world. Lord, you would help us to speak good words, words of blessing. You would help us to be eager to do good. Jesus, that we would reflect your goodness, that we would reflect your light into this dark world. Lord, help us to shine brightly this week, we pray. Give us your strength and your power as you are presenced with us in your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, I wanna encourage you. Thank you so much for coming today. I encourage you to come back next week a little earlier. 10 o'clock service start, but come at 9.30. There's gonna be some fun before the service. Bring your red bags. It's gonna be a great time together as the Mackenzie Campus Church family. Look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you and have a good one. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. We're a growing family, and if you'd like to discover more about where we meet in all our locations and online, visit gatewaybaptist.com.au.